0: Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello and welcome from me, Ken Rundle. The nutrients in the spotlight for this podcast are calcium and boron. Joining me to discuss them are Mark Tucker, Yara's head of agronomy, and Oscar Thacker, area manager for Yara, operating across Lincolnshire and Nottinghamshire, where calcium and boron are important for the potatoes and field of edge grown there. I suppose, Mark Tucker, we should begin by remembering that the calcium we're talking about here delivers more than the right soil pH.
1: Absolutely, Ken. I think most growers, agronomists, will be very sort of conscious and aware of the importance calcium has to play when it comes to the soil of you know, being used in liming products over the years to correct pH. Um, so yeah, really addressing acid soils and increasing that pH, but, and also of course its role, it plays in soil structure over the years. So calcium is sort of fairly well recognized for that it gives a more friable soil. And um, when we get the content and that freely available calcium, right. Um, what growers probably are less aware of is because of, um, yeah, the, the history of it being related to soils, um, pH is that. calcium itself is a macronutrient and what do we mean by macronutrient then it's required in kilograms um, per hectare by the plant itself so it really is a key nutrient for the plant purely on its own um, nothing to do with the soil there so this real importance of calcium as a nutrient in itself um, needs to be recognized better um and when we say um the importance or where does it fit in that plant, then as again, we all know cells have that very complex cell membrane structure and that sort of holds in all the organelles in the cells, it holds in the sugars in the cells. So having a really well-structured membrane to hold of that is is critical. And what we also know is the role calcium plays in that. So when we sort of pull apart that cell membrane structure, then it's a very complex one, as I've mentioned there, um, with sort of cellulose fibrous um, material within it. But then all of that needs to be held together by what's called pectins. And it's those pectins that are, is where the calcium comes into play, know integral part of that pectin structure and the formation, therefore, of the cell walls. What you end up with is effectively a nice sort of egg box structure, I would refer to in terms of layers, which hold it all together, give it that real rigidity, integrity, um, which then holds that cell um, as that plant grows and develops. So, yeah, I think it's really um, an important one that's um, perhaps not recognized well enough.
0: And as we'll hear in a minute that's so much to do with the quality and, and structure of, of the, the crop and, and mm. boron where does boron fit in
1: yeah and likewise i mean boron again we know from all the data that soils are deficient so typically in any one year we see 70 80 deficiency and we should be striving towards sufficiency so that there's plenty of boron available for that crop as it grows and it again is very much involved in the pectin um, formation so binding the the cell wall together and giving it that stability um, in the complex structure that it is so yeah calcium and boron really do go together when it comes to i mean yeah having cells with very um well-structured cell walls
0: and that applies to the products
1: yes we can look to Um, address it with either combinations of products. Um, But when it comes to calcium and boron together, we've got some um, sort of classic products there in the form of nitroboron. There's Tropicote, which is the straight calcium product, or then there's the nitrobor which contains the boron as well. So you're then getting that best of both worlds through an application of that nitroboron product to get calcium and boron coming through into the crop as it grows.
0: Well, Oscar Thacker, that's the science we've just heard from Mark. What's the impact on the ground as far as the growers are concerned?
2: Obviously, we're dealing here with uh, fresh market goods, um, and it all depends really on your your end market, um, your desired market, or whoever you've got a contract with. I suppose um, with, with fresh market material, it's it's all what the end the end user is looking for: uh, high quality produce. Um, that's got no real defects to it Um, and we're dealing with crops here that uh, sometimes uh, you've got hand harvest in there as well as mechanical harvest so it's not just about the internal look of the produce that we're talking about here whether that be uh, potatoes uh, carrots or or brassicas we're also talking about the the damage uh, aspect of the exterior when it comes to mechanically harvesting these these crops. Um, So yeah, you've got varying things to think about there. um, Whether that be um, focusing on your end market, or focusing on crop specifics when it comes to uh, your mechanical harvest, uh, because that can make a big difference as well, Ken, really.
0: How robust it is going through the whole process, whether it's going from a harvester into a trailer or, or going further on into the factory?
2: Exactly, um, and obviously, cell structure is key when it comes to that mechanical harvest in piece. Um, and uh, these these cells are quite delicate. Uh, all these mechanical processes we're putting in there, Ken, uh, can add up to quite quite a hefty amount of damage. Come come the end market and come the end user, really. And where there's damage, disease gets in. Of course, of course. Um, harvested crops with with damage, um, mechanically harvested crops, and hand harvested crops for that matter, that are stored for long periods of time, that can lead to ingress of uh, disease, bacteria, leading to all sorts of um, in-store rots, should we say, and other defects.
0: All of which are additional costs as far as the producer's concerned. So you're trying to minimise that kind of thing. Well, how does the grower know his calcium and boron requirements? Are there tests?
2: obviously um we've heard from mark that um both boron and calcium are working synergistically together so they're working very closely together as as almost a team there um boron we we tend to see issues at sort of higher ph sandy soils and then calcium is more more unavailable at uh, lower phs so you've got a conundrum there but again we're focusing on that 6.5 pH uh, for this um, optimum availability uh, to the crop. So when when we say how does the the the, the grower know his requirements, we're looking at soil pH, uh, uh, farm history. Uh, obviously, there's variety choice in there. So that comes on the back of integrated crop management. It's not just about the uh, one one aspect here. It's about the whole whole approach to the farming system and obviously you've got uh, high intensity field veg where you've got um uh, veg continually in the rotation that's also a concern um there isn't really a, a one uh, fit for for all in, in this scenario can
0: it's a case of knowing your soils
2: and knowing your farm exactly and farm history comes into that as well uh, and uh, cultivars that you are growing as well
1: mark Yeah, just to add in there, I guess you've got other crops in the rotation as well, which you're lightly gathering data on. So again, if there's samples that have been sent to a lab for analysis and they come back with um, specific nutrient issues, then you're sort of building up that history of the farm and use that data then to build your strategy for the other crops in the rotations. If you've got history of disorders and you've not involved calcium and boron into your program, then think about that as something to to look, to introduce, to see if you can again come back
2: um, on some of those uh, problems that you see.
0: What about application times and rates?
2: Um, yeah, obviously, as, as Mark has mentioned, we've got uh, two key solid products uh, from, from the Yara stable. Uh, our tropicoat and the inclusion of boron with with nitrobor and we're looking at the 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 specific crops here we can't put a a specific application rate or timing on brassicas carrots and potatoes as a a, as an umbrella there Ken Um, so it's really down to the crop specifics but with those solid products anywhere from sort of 300 to 700 kilos a hectare for for tropico for as is, is a good example. Uh, and if you take potatoes, that would be sort of replacing your ammonium nitrate top dressing um, at, at tuber initiation. Um, there is one other product, Ken, um, that, that, that I'll mention that that's in the form of a liquid uh, and that's T flow top. Uh, that's, that's our liquid form of feeding the crop calcium. And again, rates and timings with regards to that uh, product, we'd be looking at sort of in the region of two hundred liters a hectare total between um, crop emergence and, and tuber initiation. Um, and obviously, that, that that's a that's a product that's becoming more and more popular with with trickle irrigation.
0: So there's a variety there. I've mentioned about the cost implications of skin damage, but what are the economics of using these products? Are there facts and figures we should bear in mind, worth thinking about when doing your calculations?
2: Some data estimates that up to 60% of some crops um, are damaged in some way, Um, and obviously calcium uh, and boron can can have an effect on this. This Ken. So it it comes down to the waste side of things, really, um, and how much we're throwing out at, at, at the time of packing. I suppose, Mark. Yeah, I
1: think just to add to that comment there, in terms of that sort of level of instance Oscar refers to, I, you know, we've done the research in the past, which shows that we can bring through applications of. Um, either the Tropicode or the NitroBell product, then we can bring the incidence of those disorders down to uh, lower than 10%. So I think there's some really good data out there that shows the impact they can have. So if you're one of those farms with those sort of levels, Oscar mentioned, then uh, yeah, there are ways of um, and strategies to bring it down to below
0: 10%. And I suppose given the times we're living in with rising cost pressures on consumers, they're going to look to quality and value for money. They're going to be even more in their minds. So again, it comes back to the presentation of these crops and and, and so on. It's a standard standard thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. If you're um, a farmer producing for whatever market, um, then you need to sort of bear it all in mind. And particularly, you know, it gives you a greater market opportunity then, doesn't it? That if you've got a really good quality product to sell, then, you know, it opens up opportunities, whereas if you don't have that focus, then you can perhaps sort of, um, you know, pigeonhole yourself into the lower quality end of the market. Which increasingly these, days, yeah,
0: increasingly these days, that's, that's down the wrong way to go. So finally, then, what are the key things to remember when it comes to calcium and boron, starting with you, Mark, first?
1: Yeah, I think really, really important to actually recognize calcium and boron's two sort of critical nutrients. When we look in the sort of research and literature, then they would be two of the most cited nutrients when it comes to reducing diseases in crops. So really recognizing their importance and then, you know, bringing them into the program to see how you are managing them. Look at the data in terms of what it's telling on the farm in terms of getting them to sufficiency rather than deficiency. And then, yeah, really focus then on the products that are going to be a solution to the problem. Um, And there I'm sort of really highlighting the fact that calcium is one of those classic nutrients which you can get in various forms um, as an input. But the critical piece is that the calcium you're applying is in the form of calcium nitrate, which is fully soluble and will then come through to actually have an impact um to address the problem so really pay attention to that the timing of that has been mentioned and then again boron it's you know 80 percent of soil showing deficiency so one really
2: to look to address and oscar yeah just adding to to what mark said it's obviously not just about calcium Uh, As we all know, it's not just about the internal uh, quality of your produce. It's the whole approach in the system, whether that is the internals, the harvest damage or the storability of your produce. So calcium, along with boron, really does um, bring something to the party uh, and affect the whole crop uh, when you're growing things out there.
0: Oscar Thacker, Mark Tucker, thanks for that. And let's hope the weather this season plays ball. There are enough challenges facing food producers just now. Next time, I'll be talking grassland. But in the meantime, from me, Ken Rundle, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.